2: shop now in store or online Kroger fresh for everyone
3: It's 11:38 p.m. at a Sicilian castle and you're listening to Night Call Hello and welcome to Night Call a call-in show about our dystopian reality. My name is Emily Yoshida. I am in Los Angeles. And with me on the other line are... Molly Lambert and... Tess Lynch. Hi, guys. Hey, y'all. We are going to be joined later in the show by Hannah Georges from The Atlantic to talk about the Polish sex drama that is taking the internet by storm 365 days. But first,
4: let's take a night email... Tess, you want to read it? I would love to. Hello, Night Call. As I prefer to remain anonymous, I won't reveal my name or the venue where I work, but I can say that the measures taken to protect the staff are next to non-existent. Social distancing is not enforced, and one of my managers wears an N95 mask, against company policy no less, which facilitates his breathing, but as you can surmise, does nothing to prevent a potential asymptomatic spread of the novel coronavirus. While everyone is required to wear face masks and wash their hands, the only social distancing is between guests. As we were returning, one of the higher-ups had tried to convince us, rather poorly, that any leaked candid images, which was achieved through a certain vantage point where people looked clustered but were standing far apart. Working here, I can honestly say the space situation is like sardines in a can. I don't begrudge working hard for a living, but I find myself disgusted with how little care is being provided for the staff.
3: And and we should say, like, this person... Um we won't say where they work specifically but it is like a, it's a theme park it's an attraction which you know obviously a lot of them are back up and running i think probably a lot of them never closed in the first place I believe um, they mo-
5: they all did close because they had to um yeah. and this is the first time. just because i follow a bunch of uh, theme park enthusiasts instagrams mm-hmm. Yeah <laughs> um and if there's like a real schism because there are some people that are like traveling to theme parks, um, and the workers have been posting about it a lot, but they're also afraid of retaliation from the companies they work for, which is why we're not going to name any companies that anybody works for. If you call in and tell us about your experience, we will keep you totally anonymous, but we would love to hear more from people that are going back to work uh, under COVID and uh, seeing the sort of chaotic situation, because it doesn't seem like anybody has a plan that is going to work like the right. And all
3: the safeguards feel completely, um, Patchwork and not at all cohesive. I mean, even in Japan, they reopened theme parks. This was like a big thing that was going around Twitter today that I sent to you guys, and um, they were asking guests to refrain from screaming on rides because you know, screaming exerting your vocal cords creates more droplets uh, and spreads the disease more. And I, I believe their 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 advice to guests was please scream inside your heart, which <laughs> is um, yeah, note taken. The slogan Uh, of the year. Already doing it. Uh, But yeah, so it's just like stuff like that. Like at a certain point, it's like, well, why go on a ride that like screaming on a ride is more or less involuntary. It's like laughing at a funny joke. Um, So why put yourself in a position where there's a high likelihood that you would be screaming? Like why? do all this, these gymnastics to be like, oh, no, you can do it as long as you don't have the most reasonable reaction to the thing you're
5: doing. They're all doing insane backbends to try and, you know, ex- have a reason to be reopening, to make money. It's all, like Joel said last week, it's all Jaws. It's all mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. Um, and they must think the profit margins are worth it, you know? They must think the bad press isn't going to overwhelm the um, the influx of cash. And as we saw, a lot of these big companies also got bailed out. So it's all pretty gross. Did you guys see 21 Pilots got PPP loans? Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I guess as a band. The, they, oh, yeah. Because they lost jewelry money. money. Um, so... I, I haven't gotten
5: anything yet, but if 21 Pilots can do it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've talked about it on the show yet, but just to have a mini uh, sports uh sports call nightball segment, the NBA reopening that they're trying to do um around Disney World seems like extremely fraught and like everything is already going wrong and they're still going forward with it because that's how badly they don't want to lose profits on sports capitalism.
3: And it's it's just wild to see all these companies and industries pouring all this money. I mean, the bubble, the NBA bubble, you know, as janky as it looks and as unwise as it looks from here, it can't be cheap. Like, that's a very, there's a lot of logistics in that. And you see these industries pouring so much money into this stuff. And, like, meanwhile, here in L.A., our biggest... COVID testing site was shut down uh, for a holiday and also possibly I I was seeing some some reports that like it would just had to like figure out its funding and that's not something that people are like Sean Penn apparently was behind the funding for our COVID testing site like that was not yeah the city. Sean Penn
5: stepped in yeah
3: like truly when you have when you are relying on the goodness of Sean Penn's heart right the bar is to- <laughs> on the ground yeah so it's just like and 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 you know the COVID testing sites are kind of like dystopian in and of themselves like I don't know if you guys have gone there or not to the Dodger Stadium one, but, like, all, all this stuff that people set up as sort of these stopgaps is all a little bit dystopian, but that at least is, like, you know, potentially for good and perver-
5: for prevention of the virus. Like I just feel like it's, like, there's no real escapism, so anyone claiming they're going to create a space where you'll be, like, totally safe from the virus and it doesn't exist there is selling you a fantasy, like Las Vegas just reopened as well. Uh, in City, I saw some pictures of Atlantic City. all the um the slot machines have individual barriers, plastic barriers around them. Ugh. they're like little sweat boxes. Yeah, it's all just so uh, sounds fun. yeah, it's it's also patchwork, like you said. It's like clearly nobody in charge has a plan, which is something we've been seeing for a
4: lot of things. Well, I took um, my son to the doctor yesterday and it was the first time he had been inside a building uh, since March that was not our home. Uh, and I was he was super anxious about it. Uh, he wore a mask the entire time. It ended up, I think being the right decision, even though it was just a checkup. Um, the kids his age only get checked up once a year. so I felt like it was important. But we were driving on like these huge lines to get into a snow cone store. And also a vintage store. Yeah. And I was just like, wow. Mm-hmm. I'm like I saw taking this. my kid to yeah. the doctor. We're, we're sweating. Yeah. We're so nervous about this. And meanwhile, there's like just maybe 35 people lined up on Melrose, not distanced at all, waiting to get a snow cone. It's very strange.
5: I mean, as long as they weren't going into a snow cone store, I guess,
4: I think... I think they were, but I think it, with a vintage store, it's just that they have to wear a covering and there can't be people in there. But it just shows you like when the priorities and I'm not faulting any small business owner at all. Like I I think it's the problem is is much higher up the chain than what an individual store owner is doing. Right. They should have paid they should have paid everyone to stay home from the beginning. They yeah, should
5: have exactly. paid everyone to stay home and they should still be doing that. Uh, We should still be under, like, the first lockdown. But they, like, opened back up, and immediately everything got real bad. One thing that nobody knows for sure if it's going to open back up is schools. School. Let's take a break, and when we come back, Emily will enchant and amaze us with the tales of dark academia.
1: Until now through May 14th. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, Owen oh, Two Door Cinema Club!
6: perfect home sweet home
5: welcome back to night call today emily is the professor Mm -hmm. and we are all her students Mm -hmm. and her specialty is something called dark academia well academia has gone dark Uh, you know, obviously, in the last several months.
3: Uh, but now it's going figuratively dark on TikTok and Instagram. I want to reiterate, and I think this might come up later when we're talking to Hannah, but like, I don't know a single thing about what's going on with TikTok. I don't have a TikTok account. So this is not firsthand knowledge. This is not something I've observed. I read a
5: New York Times trend piece about it. I'm an old person. Uh, but there but also, was, if you want us to do a night called Dark Academia TikTok, you know, let us know. <laughs> sure.
3: I don't I would not know how to go about that. But uh, uh, there's an article uh, by Kristen Bateman called Academia Lives on TikTok. And it is about the recent uh, TikTok and Instagram. And, and I think it also kind of started on Tumblr. Aesthetic project. whatever you want to call it, uh, called dark academia, which has taken on some, you know, particularly interesting meaning right now as most of the teens and early 20 somethings that are participating in this trend are not in actual school and don't know when they will be back in actual school. Um, but the article, uh, the article kind of describes what you know, what the vibe is, and it's very, you know, it's it, it has images too, which you can instantly kind of get the vibe from the images, but. Um, Kristen Bateman writes, uh, a typical post may involve teens showing off their Argyle sweaters to classical tunes, followed by a series of photos of leather-bound books, handwritten notes, a page from Wuthering Heights, and a shot of, a cla- and, and a shot of classic Greek architecture. It's not unusual to see fans dressing up as their favorite book characters or posting vintage photos of the, of the novelist Donna Tartt, author of The Secret History, Dark Academia's essential text. Um, she also kind of pitches it as an alternative to Cottagecore, which I can't remember if we have talked about specifically on this podcast, but we
5: didn't end up talking about cottage core. No, cottage core is big right now. Yeah, definitely... can you describe
3: what cottage core is a little bit and why it's like possibly problematic? <laughs>
5: um, cottage core. The reason cottage core is possibly problematic is it's like being into homesteading, kind of. It's like a little house on the prairie, kind of. You know. Rustic pioneer shit, um, but you're like wearing cute sweaters and stuff. And Is it p- more
3: pioneer or is it more? I kind of understood it. It was almost like a, like, I, I was thinking, like, oh, is Miyazaki cottage core? Because Miyazaki's super into like Europe. <laughs> it's a type
5: of like e girl that's like into, yeah, kind of like a European uh, forest, uh, provenance fairy, fairy tale more. Yeah. Okay. Aesthetic. Maybe. Okay mixed in with uh, some Japanese pop culture. Okay, okay. I learned about it recently because uh, I learned about, I was just reading about e-girls and going down a hole about cottage core, But there was a thread recently where somebody was like, Wat, watch out for the next wave of, like, e-girl fascists that are all really into cottage core," And somebody was like, this sentence is inscrutable. And I was like, I know what they're talking about, which is just any kind of, like... Back to the homeland movement, even a virtual one,
4: can definitely veer into like nationalism at a certain point. But couldn't it also just be people who like don't can't buy groceries and are now like, I should grow my own food? It could be totally benign. Yeah, I guess there's or like just a reaction
3: so... against what we think of as being the most like mainstream Instagram social media aesthetic. Like yeah. The-
5: <laughs> right, um, it's like an aesthetic that wouldn't have social media, but then you're using social media to film it. Um, I learned about it because I was reading about uh, Belle Delphine, who is a gamer who sold her bathwater, and then recently reappeared on the internet uh, with an OnlyFans and like a YouTube video. I just like learned a lot about. <laughs> what's going on on the internet now (laughs) and she had it was like she's now like now she has an OnlyFans and she does like sexy photo shoots but she started as sort of just a cosplayer and her thing was totally cottagecore um, not in a fascist way just in like sort of a Miyazaki way like you were saying it was like her she does a tour of her room and she has all these like dollhouses stacked up dollhouses Uh Uh and like some sort of, like, leaves hung from the ceiling and stuff. Uh, sounds I think dusty. All, well, you know, we watched Shirley last it week. It sounds like we wedding with- planning. Yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> to me, it just makes me think of like when you're a teenage girl and you're like, I'm gonna make my room so cool and like beautiful and I'll want to hang out in it all the time. And maybe you don't actually end up doing that, but you're like, mm-hmm. what if I could just decorate my room like exactly? Yeah, drawing your I
3: plans want. for your dream room. It's a very yeah. big activity of being like a tween, I feel like. Um,
5: yeah. Well, um,
3: so, so like, okay, so if cottage core is that, which is like kind of, it feels. From, from what I've seen, from your description of it, it feels a little um, like goop adjacent. Again, I feel like it's all kind of like training for planning your wedding. Like it's like, that kind of um right it's like party planning for your house yeah like yeah. like uh, add a add some foliage uh you know run through some
5: flowers in a mock Mach- malik type shot or whatever right like, and because and it's still like a lot of things it's about like accumulating things yes and like getting yes. new things to be part of your aesthetic
3: yeah so so in this article uh, about the dark academia the author says like to be a part of dark academia you don't have to have access to a country house a field of flowers a big kitchen for baking or an expensive prairie dress most of the clothes most of the clothing dark academia fans wear is vintage and can easily be found in secondhand stores or sites Um, and this like warms to be very dark academia, it it warms the cockles of my heart. Uh, (laughs) I, uh, (laughs) I just like the, the vibe that these kids have and we'll link to the article is like very, it's exactly where I was when I was that age. And all these kids are like so much more put together and hotter than I was then. But like, it's still like I, the, the, the aim and what, what is romantic to them feel. I'm very sympathetic to, uh, and I think that that kind of egalitarian aspect of it is, is like super important because like I was into that at a public school. Like I think that most of these kids who are participating in this, like if they, like they, they're not, they're not the like kind of Ivy league, like the, they're not a part of the Academy. They are taking the aesthetics of the Academy and molding it to their own purposes, which I think is like a very good thing because I think one thing we've learned over um, at least the past few months, if not longer, is that um, the academy is more or less broken. Uh, And so why not just take the look, especially if nobody's going to be going to school anyway, like public, like the average American public school, public high school is like the least romantic place. In the world, if you're a teenager, and so if you're going to not be going to that specific physical place, like why not build this school of the mind that you live in? That's like vaguely like goth and
5: and 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 nerdy. Like I don't know, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm super no, into no, it. Right. I feel like <laughs> that aesthetic is just so prevalent in fiction. Um, again, I'm a little concerned that maybe the thing cottagecore and. Uh, dark academia have in common is sort of like a fetishization of like England <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, right. well British yeah, is- like British yeah you know school uniform aesthetics and then I was like many of the things you are describing also describe Caroline Calloway who is very into the academia aesthetic um and has also done cosplaying as a bunch of, like, literary characters recently. It's kind of like, it's like movie Twitter for books or something.
3: It's like, yeah, it's the, it's the fetishization of the objects and signifiers of, like, being a smart person. Which is, like, I think when you're a teen, fine. Like, do not hang on to that as you go into adulthood. Like, I think that that can be very stunting in a way. But I'm like, fine, like whatever, like it's, it, it sucks to be a teenager right now. And it sucks to like do school right now as a young person, whether that's college or high school. And, you know, I think the other thing is that like, I, this is all coming at a time when like Harvard, for example, and I'm sure other, you know, some of the other most expensive schools in the country are, you know, all moving to online for next year and still charging their same tuition. Harvard is still charging fifty thousand dollars a year for online school. So if you were going to Harvard for like the vibes, like you don't get those vibes <laughs> anymore. You might as well just do the vibes part for free and go to like Phoenix University or whatever. Like or, it doesn't like
5: don't go to college and just educate yourself. Yeah, whatever. Yourself. Or just
3: or like you know if you need to get a specific degree to get a certain kind of job, like a, a, a associate's degree or whatever, do that. But like. It can be, you know, you can, some of this stuff can be democratized. You can find the, you can find the excitement and like romance of learning in, in your own way. And it doesn't need to be this like classist thing.
5: I also think as a uh, Tess will say, you have to not live in New England in order to romanticize New England. It's
4: true. But I also, I think I have to say though, that I think it's wonderful to, you know, I, I, I think what Emily's saying is wonderful. And I, I definitely think that it's great to try to like see some of the plus sides in this. But every time I think about um, kids who were hoping to go to any college in the fall, not being able to. And honestly, when I think about what kids in general are going through right now, it makes me so depressed. I mean, it's hard to even talk about like embodying the aesthetic of um, the school that you hope to go to. Even I, th- I think it's absolutely insane that Harvard is charging $50,000 with the size of their endowment for online classes. But I also just think of like, you know, a kid who's who just was so excited to move away from home and go to school. And yeah. I, I, my heart is like, I I've rarely use like this earnestly, the words, like my heart breaks for someone, but just all of the, when you think about like all of the, the kids who really like needed to, to get out on their own and who are living in bad situations, sorry to take it down a dark path, but you know, I, I just, it's so, so heavy. And I guess like, if the kind of like cosplaying, you know, of like, you're still going to college and you can kind of like, play pretend makes them happy. That's great. But I'm also just like, God, I wish that people could get it together to figure out a safe way to like, allow kids to like, be able to to continue on going to school.
5: Yeah, I mean, I I think it's just like, they're trying to find the bright side and things. Yeah. And
4: and that's wonderful. I mean, that it that's like with many things that are going on right now. It's like you, there's like this glimmer of goodness and like happiness, but then you just kind of zoom out and you're like, man, it's so depressing. Like it, it's just really hard to think about being in that position.
3: I mean, I think also a lot of the people who are doing this, who, you know, and I don't know how much of an overlap there is with somebody who was going to go to a respected American institution or, you know, or Oxbridge or whatever, um, and people who participate in dark ag- academia, are, I don't actually know. Like, I, I can't get really really get a handle on what that overlap is. But like, a lot of the people who are doing it are not living in the U.S. Like, one of the main uh, main originators of the whole vibe is a, a Brazilian girl, um, and I think that at a certain point, like, it's it's like I, I I think that it has nothing it has nothing to do with like what what those places actually are. Like I I think it is it it exists on its own after a while. It's like it becomes its own sort of um like point of inspiration that's almost like divorced from the institution. No, and I totally. think like and I think like and 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 Harvard is going to let some people on campus this year, not everybody. I think that they're going to be like 30% of um their enrollment is going to be allowed to live on campus, but everybody's going to be Um, online and uh, in the meantime a ton of people who have student visas international students and those a lot of those students are the people who really were counting on having an on-campus experience at a school more so than like somebody in the U.S. who's like you know whose parents are paying their whole way to go to Harvard or whatever like those 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 people are like in a position to a romanticize Harvard the most and B be the, mo- the most affected by school, not being in session. And so no, like, and, and, and ICE is going to be now like not honoring these student visas. So like kids who are planning on living here, whether it was on campus or like in an, in a near campus apartment, like they might not be, you know, safe in, in the country anymore. And that should is super fucked up. Um, and so I, I, I do, there's a part of me that just, like, at, it feels very kind. It is. It's, it's, it's a bummer. It sucks and it's sad. But it's also, like, I like that this, like, the internet finds a way somehow to, like, persist. <laughs>
4: yeah, that's what I mean, though. I mean, it's, like, it just makes you think that people, you're like, that's very plucky during a time when it's hard to be. And I think, like... in a way, I guess the thing that's the saddest to me, no matter what situation, but I thought you brought up great points, Emily, is, you know, I I think the whole like aesthetic is really just so tied to being a young adult and being independent and like being able to have a style that matches a place that you chose ideally to go to school or whatever. Like, you know, there's many different college aesthetics and I like pretty much all of them uh, because I just remember like, I don't know, just just the feeling the like excitement of being of reinventing yourself I guess as like a young adult was very powerful and it it you know it's really hard to think about the different layers of like how this kind of affects people's psyches but those I mean, people get to put their new identities online.
3: Yeah, Ugh, and I think yeah. one thing I have learned from the little uh, that I've been exposed to TikTok is that, and especially when you're talking about these aesthetics is that they are so mutable and mm-hmm. that people are changing their identities all the time in very, very conscious ways that they announce yes. and they show how they are changing their looks. There are a lot of the dark academia videos are this. They are like, i'm I'm being dark academia now. here's my here's my wardrobe. Um, here are all the like slubby sweaters I got from Goodwill. Um, it's very cute. Like <laughs> I, I, and like, and I think that there I, I think that there is a lot of opportunity, especially with the internet, for people to try on those new identities, whether they're living at home or whether they're going out into the world on their own. like, i think I think that, Kids are resi- teens, especially with social media accounts, are very resilient right now <laughs> <in> forming identities. <laughs> um, I don't know, but yeah, I would uh, I would recommend checking out the, the article at least because it's just a, sort of a trip. It's just like
5: we're now at a place where this is this is what school is. (laughs) Now I'm just imagining like if we had had TikTok and stuff I guess we had YouTube but like during the recession and we were all just making videos that were like thought I'd be a grown-up now. (laughs) Oops here comes a
3: recession. I mean that was me in high school anyway like I mean like I I think that this look was sort of more my core but like then I would be like okay it's goth day today like I'm gonna get my goth stuff out and like I would have, you know, these specific look days and be like, I'm doing this this week or whatever in a very kind of ticky-tacky, homespun way. (laughs) Ticky-tacky. Ticky-tacky. And that's, like, some of the stuff I'm most nostalgic about about being young is, like, even if you don't have money or resources, like, it feels like the idea of the self that you're building is so endlessly mutable. It's, like, very... I don't know it feels it feels fun it feels like anything's possible
7: but
5: yeah Um, yeah it's also just like it's funnier to cosplay the secret history than like harry potter i I know it's so (laughs) and i'm sure that all these kids
3: who like also according to this article are like super super progressive like very like genderqueer like like you know are very very woke uh are i'm sure that they're all abandoning their their (laughs) childhood Love of Harry Potter right now, and they're all like, kind of all over. Like, be careful with referencing classicism and stuff, which is like hilarious. It's like they're already doing it. Like, (laughs) right? I read a great.
5: There's like a quote from Ursula K. Le Guin about how Harry Potter was kind of a rip off of the Earthsea books that she wrote, but she was like, but they have no class consciousness, (laughs) so they're like (laughs) not good. (laughs) They're like, Uh, I guess she she was really funny. She was like, I guess they made someone a millionaire. (laughs) Yeah, but, like not me.
3: She also like apparently stole from some um, like Neil Gaiman book that looked looked like really bad called like the JK books K. of Rowlingan? magic. Yeah, yeah. Like look up like Google Neil Gaiman books of magic. At the covers look exactly like Harry Potter. It's I mean, sort of the Harry insane. Potter books
5: are like not well written. Particularly. Oh, I would disagree. Like, I would disagree with that. They're like very readable. They, m- they move along. Yeah, that's but... what a YA book
3: has to do. <laughs> yeah, but there's
5: better. There's better magical young fantasy YA. You know what I really liked? This was my Dark Academia. Was the Worst Witch? Did you love guys the Worst Witch? <laughs>
4: yeah, get into the Worst def- Witch. I definitely
5: have seen the Worst
3: Witch. Wasn't
4: that um, what was that actress? Was it from. Fur- For- well, not Ball. We yeah, about that? yeah, yeah, okay, there yeah. we go. Yeah, Farisa Balk was, in, was it, that's phenomenal.
5: There was also a, it was like a series of books, and there was also a, I believe it was a British show that they then yeah. dubbed in with either American or Canadian voices, so it had a super weird feel to it that I didn't pinpoint till later. Yeah, um, yeah, that was like a made-for-TV movie or something. Yeah, but or yeah, uh, yeah, Witch Academies. Oh, yeah. Always, always witch. You watched a good anime about a witch academy too, right? Me? Was, yeah, was Magical Madoka. Not a. It's school not an, show? It's not a school. No, but
3: there is like Little Witch Academia.
5: Oh yeah, which is which is very popular. Has the best I
3: haven't name. watched it, but yeah, yeah. We're all <laughs> we're all uh, graduating summa cum laude from Little Witch Academia. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, Well, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to bring Hannah Georges on to talk 365 days.
0: This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of.
6: perfect home sweet home
3: welcome back to night call we are now joined by Hanna Georgis. she's a staff writer at the atlantic and she's here to take a very special night call with us
7: hey guys a uh, long time long time i just watched 365 days uh the erotic film that's kind of sweeping tiktok and is currently number 10 on trending movies on netflix um and i'm very curious to hear your guys thoughts as kind of the resident erotic thriller you know experts all right thank you bye
3: Wow, I feel very honored right now. Um, I have to say, though, as maybe uh, not exactly a erotic thriller expert, not in the way that this caller says that we are, I did not know about 365 Days until I read Hana's piece in The Atlantic about it. Um, which had, you know, a, a headline, I'm sure just like was catnip to me. Like, why is everybody watching this mysteriously <laughs> awful uh, erotic thriller on Netflix?
5: And I was like, click. <laughs>
4: yes. Okay, I'm um, editor matter that right now. Thank you. Why, <laughs>
5: yeah. why was everybody watching this mysteriously terrible erotic thriller on
7: Netflix? Well, um, you know, I think it's a bunch of things. It's like Netflix and their algorithm being mysterious as they always are. Um, but also, it's just so weird and outlandish, and I think removed from what kind of sex, if any, is happening right now in the world. And so there's something like, haha, like, this is just outrageous. Look at these people. They're having sex outdoors. And, like, there's something sort of, like, <laughs> fabulous and wild about it. That um, I think appealed to people right now in this moment where human beings are not really touching each other.
3: Yeah. There's something, like, that's the opposite about Covid and lockdown about like the drone shots of like fucking right. The yacht, right? <laughs> <It's like laughs> the opposite of where we are right now,
7: right? Like that's always a ridiculous thing for most people, and now it's just like, huh, what? A, what an outrageous concept! They're outdoors having sex. It's like, no, this would always be weird, but sure, we'll call it now.
5: <laughs> yeah, any I, human contact is now science fiction. That's true. Right.
3: Yeah, right. I do think, like in your piece, you also touched on this thing that I want to like dig into more um, <laughs> about this movie and about, like, anything that can even vaguely be called an erotic though or, or, or erotic drama that comes out now, which is that, like, it's sort of inevitably about, like, luxury and stuff. Yeah. Like, like that's the big thing with Fifty Stages of Grey, which this obviously bears a kind of spiritual resemblance to in a lot of ways.
4: <laughs> it inspired it. Oh, did
3: the book was inspired by it directly? Because these are based on Polish books, correct? They're
4: Polish books. The woman who wrote the trilogy, it's a trilogy. And the woman who wrote them was formerly a cosmetologist and then a therapist and a hypnotist. Uh, And she said she was inspired by (laughs) Fifty Shades of Grey. You gotta have her on. (laughs) Yeah, She's total night call material. Uh, She said she was inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey and a personal holiday trip to Italy. Well, all right. Sicily, specifically, <laughs> which obviously... Uh, but yeah, it was like... I mean, th- the Fifty Shades is very, very baked in. Fifty Shades was was itself Twilight fan fiction. Exactly.
7: There's right. just a lot of iterating happening <laughs> yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah,
3: and it's like... You know, it's funny because like... I'm like a very... I'm like a big lurker on like Archive of Our Own and like all fan fiction forums and like Wattpad yeah. and shit like that. And it's very funny because like if you look... If you search Twitter for people talking about 365 days, there's like a meme going around where it's like, like, uh, like people watching 365 days for the first time, like, wow, it would be so cool to have a dangerous mafia boyfriend. And then it's like people who live on Wattpad, and it's a pic, it's like a screen grab of James Franco from um, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs when they're like getting hanged, and he's like, first <laughs> <Yeah>. time. <laughs> because it's just like the the template of this movie and like the the way that the plot works is like just ground level fanfic um like erotic fanfic stuff um yeah
7: there's something I mean I think that that there's there's some appeal in that too right that people can just put can graph whatever their own personal things are onto this movie because there's not actually really a cohesive storyline or real characters to latch onto. like these aren't People, so much as they are like stock characters to sort of yeah. imbue with your
5: own whatever. Honestly, yeah. it makes so much sense that a uh, beloved genre to Night call softcore would come back during lockdown because everyone's yep. trapped at home at all times. And I feel yeah. like one thing the streaming wars have been missing is like the softcore element that made premium cable such a hit and that maybe spawned a lot of these erotic thrillers because we've said a lot it's like you can get away with anything if you say it's european <laughs> <laughs> yes totally um
3: well i was gonna say like also on, on top of that like next to the need for softcore during <laughs> during lockdown <laughs> there's like the need for a hunk which i think you like yes get into the star <laughs> of it, who, whose name I'm, i was trying to look up again um who's like become kind of celeb. yes um
7: yes
4: he also and, sings a bunch of the tracks which are yeah. Really the soundtrack
7: is its own. <laughs> okay,
4: for so the audience
5: who may not have seen this movie such as me, <laughs> can you give me a brief rundown of, you know, how many of the night call uh, erotic thriller bingo things are getting checked off in this Ooh, movie? I should check, you know, like, what happens in this
4: movie. So He's a millionaire and he kidnaps her. I want to hear Hana try and do it and we can jump in because I feel like your piece made us watch this movie. And so I want to hear <laughs> <I'm> so <sorry. laughs> every time you say that, I'm like, what have I done? We're grateful. Um, We're
7: grateful. Oh yeah, thank you. <laughs> so this man named Massimo, who's played by Michele Morone, this this like honk heartthrob figure who becomes something, um, sees his father, who's a like the Sicilian mob boss. Be murdered, like right in front of him. Like, he gets splattered with his dad's blood. It's like right there. And as this is happening, he looks off into the distance and they're like on this like lighthouse structure near the sea. Like, they're just kind of in the middle of the ocean on this structure. And he looks out at his, as his dad gets shot and he sees this woman in the distance and he decides like that she's like some apparition and he has to find her and he becomes obsessed with her and like. Ages later, you find out, like, okay, it's this woman, you know, Laura, the woman who's the... Laura Beale. Yes. The other protagonist, and it turns out that she's this false woman. Fast forward, and he kidnaps her and tells her that she basically has 365 days to either fall in love with him or he'll, like, release her. And she, you know, shockingly, like, does soon on, soon into the arrangement, and then they have just a lot of really outrageous into de- impractical in sex. But that's mostly it. There's, like, some other stuff that happens. Please describe the sex more. <laughs> <laughs> There's, you
3: you honed in on the spit aspect, which I feel is really the zeitgeist here.
4: <laughs> I, I
7: still kind of can't Not a lot. they let me do that. Um, in,
4: in one scene, there is a lot of spit. Really? Yeah, okay. yeah,
7: so the first, the way that the first actual sex scene, when she decides that, like, this is going to happen... Comes to be is that she falls off of the side of the yacht. It kind of looks like she jumped, but uh, she falls. They're having a fight. They're having a fight. Yeah. It's like almost violent. Yeah. Yeah. But then he jumps in to save her, and she's overwhelmed with gratitude and decides that you know she loves him. Now they're going to have sex all the wrong. So thus begins this like incredibly long sequence it's where amazing. they're
2: having <laughs> it's like
7: panoramic shots of, like the yacht. <laughs> The wall, yeah. the island, like anything that you can, <laughs> and like, you can see them as like tiny little blips on the yacht having sex, but they're just, they're, it's from so many different angles and the kind of closer up ones in one of them, he's like about to go down on her and spits and that like, there's a whole sort of close shot of that okay, and people really we... responded to it. Is there,
5: <laughs> is there full frontal in this movie?
4: Not for no, not no. not quite. It's like you know, it's softcore, ma- it's softcore, it's softcore. Yeah. but also I should say that I found this movie so unsexy and it's really for <laughs> a few reasons, right? But okay, Hana, was it also for you because of the soundtrack? The soundtrack, yeah, the it, soundtrack is so, insane. As yeah. soon as you start to be like, huh, maybe then they play either, um, Michaela Marone's. Like his tracks, which I think have some really goofy names, like Hard yeah. for Me. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so bad. But then there's also these songs by a band called Everybody Loves an Outlaw, and they're from Texas. And that's the more kind of like, weird easy listening ish soft rock kind of thing they're like i think there was some streaming platform that
3: had the hills for a while and um replaced they had to replace all the songs because they couldn't have the right they didn't have the right so it was this like weirdly anonymous pop that sounded you know kind of just off a little bit because it was made in a lab that's kind of what yeah. this all sounds like yeah <laughs> yeah
7: it does it, it sounds like it's supposed to soundtrack like a movie about a girl who like goes to college somewhere in like the Pacific Northwest. It just like, you know, like this just doesn't
4: fit what I'm being asked to consume. So. Yes, it is so far from a sexy vibe. It's like a, a like studying hard vibe. <laughs> yeah,
5: <laughs> I feel like we all we all did not have like a particularly sexy reaction to Nine and a Half Weeks, which is another oh, classic of the genre. Yourself. Speak for yourself. Yeah. I Wait, I you didn't. You wrong? mean
3: you're saying you didn't have a sexy reaction <laughs> to Nine and a Half Weeks? I mean, it
4: felt sort of clinical.
3: No, oh, no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I had an opposite reaction to that movie. <laughs> Sorry.
4: Same. Wait, <laughs> Hana, have you seen Nine and a Half Weeks? I haven't.
3: Oh, it's okay. like a really good antidote really good. to this. I think. I think yeah. it's kind of great.
4: There's a long
5: tradition of movies that get really bad reviews and then are really popular with people because they're so horny. And yeah. it seems it sounds like yeah me too <laughs> sometimes that's what you want
3: i uh so i I went into watching this, you know i I was uh you know all prepped to to watch a certain thing after reading your article, and then there um there was this sort of controversy that surrounded it um the singer duffy uh pendant kind of open letter, basically taking netflix Netflix to task for rom- what she said was romanticizing and glorifying. Um what's essentially a kidnapping and a trafficking story uh, and and she herself had been a victim of of this kind of crime, uh, I guess a couple of years ago. so she was just uh, so i I kind of went into it being like, oh no, is this like more radioactive than I thought I like like it was more radioactive thing than I thought I was getting myself into um and I think like and it so it made me more attuned to the kind of um the kind of violence and, like, fucked up psychology that was going on in this, like, in a way that I was for nine and a half weeks, um, just because I think that that's, like, just a good movie about that, That's like, depicts that stuff. But this is a bad movie that depicts that stuff, <laughs> but I was still very, like, attuned to it and thinking about, like, I think especially we watched, we watched um, Starship Troopers last week. Uh, which is a great movie and perennially uh, relevant, especially now. And I was thinking about like how much that movie is about like violence and force and taking things by force and like a culture built around force. And there's so many times in this movie where like, especially in the first half, where she's like, where he's like, kind of getting in her, like getting in her personal space, like kind of threatening her sexually. And she always says like, "Or what? You're gonna kill me?" And I, I always thought that was so interesting because there's this thing where it's just like. This guy is so aggro, but all he can threaten is violence and in in a way that's, like, constantly
5: questioned by the female character in a way. Does it feel like he might actually kill her? That's my question. I mean, he's, like, a murderer. He kills
3: other people. Like, that's the whole mafia boyfriend trope. Right, he's sexy
5: and he, like, keeps his secrets. Yeah.
7: Yeah, it definitely felt like he is capable of violence for sure but I I do think that you know at least for me I never felt like he was actually going to kill her right like because the whole the whole thing of it is like here's this like guy who kills people and he does all this bad stuff but like really he has this like intense soft spot for you and it's like that's so messed up on like a million different levels and also like he does kind of hold to having a thing for her like however messed up it is
5: I feel like everyone litigated this a lot when 50 Shades of Grey came out, there was a lot of like, well, if it's fantasy, like, can it show something that's really fucked up, you know, and we acknowledge that it's fucked up or does just the act of showing it always like fetishize it? I still don't know what I think. I think it's case by case. Um, obviously, like, I, I understand why Duffy doesn't want to watch it, you know? Yeah. Um
3: I I feel like something like this, I'm like, it's a, this is a bad movie, but I'm kind of grateful for like, there is something that a movie like this is uniquely positioned to be able to expose about like attitudes about sex and violence. Yeah.
5: yeah. yeah. Paul Verhoeven (laughs) said that about Starship Troopers. He was like, you can, yeah, you can show as much violence as you want, but you can't show a tit, can't show a titty in American movies. Or they'll give you like an NC-17, which is totally true. So I think also just having a movie that has a lot of semi-full nudity uh, and sex in it is is always how they've marketed a certain type of European art movie to Americans. And yeah, I think a lot of people, it's like it's not so much the European, the, you know, if a movie is like highfalutin enough, obviously, <laughs> it's, you can put lots of sex in it and it will get Oscars. But like, this seems like it's kind of trashy. Oh, yeah. oh absolutely.
4: Uh, and Tremendously the, <laughs> trashy. And
5: that the dissonance is all between like how sexy it's supposed to be and how like skin crawly it actually is.
4: Well, it also makes no sense. And I think Hanna brought that up like really well uh, in your piece when you kind of said that it it reflects our surreal reality and, and how things feel very off. And this movie, everything about it feels very off. We were talking earlier um, about how it has a lot of like The Bachelor kind of baked into it as oh, well. Man. Yeah. I, I was like 90 Day Fiance, which I've been watching yeah. a ton of, of the like, you know, this kind of weird, the like the ticking clock of on the romance these kind of contrived weird meetings with like um he he meets her parents at a wedding so and like weird. it's very strange <sighs> so interactions so that well no that's sense. what's
5: so weird about 50 shades of gray too and i think this entire genre is like it's not really about sex it's about this like deep soul connecting romance that like starts with sex but then becomes like an all an all consuming obsession it's like wuthering heights style, (laughs) you know? It's It's fucked up, but everyone involved is into how fucked up it is, which is what makes it okay. It's like the movie, I feel like most of these movies make it clear that it's like a little consensual. And in Fifty Shades of Grey, they like sort of interrogated whether it is at the end of the first one, at least, and then walked it back. Hannah, do you think this would be popular without
3: covid and without lockdown like obviously the the appeal of a a cheesy globe trotting sex movie is 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 one thing but do you think that like there's something that's still in the air regardless of if we're all locked up at home in our own prisons right <laughs> where uh yeah where uh, this would still like take off
7: i can see it being really big around the holidays <laughs> <laughs>
4: Being trapped in someone else's house.
7: Yeah, there's just some stuff going on where people look to entertainment that is sort of slightly outside of what they might normally consume and also, again, slightly surreal, slightly bizarre. um, And not necessarily in ways that are just like obvious sci-fi. Yeah, and I think
5: that all streamers have that ability to like have a curveball hit. It just makes sense that you know, after rom-coms would come erotic thrillers. Yeah, is this movie erotic or a thriller? <laughs> I, I don't think
3: it's a thriller, really. It's an erotic it's a, drama. It's an erotic drama, which is the yeah. same genre as uh, Nine and a Half Weeks. So,
5: what movies know. do you guys think are legitimately sexy? Nine and a half. Hannah, I'm asking you
3: Well, it's it's funny because I think that. A lot of the stuff that sticks out in our memories when it comes to, like, sexy movies, like, sexy mainstream movies are, like, stuff that left a big impression on us as young people. Right. Like, oh, right. I didn't know you could show that in a movie. But, <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's, once you become an adult, I feel like it's less about just the pure shock or titillation and, and like, okay, but what's actually sexy in a movie? Like, how do you compose, like, you know, the work of intimacy co- coordinators and stuff? Like, how do you make something hot? Um, I'll give
7: my
5: answer to Step yeah. Up. Uh, uh-huh. Itumama Tambien.
7: Oh. Yeah,
3: It's That one's kind of sad, though. That one always bums me out a little bit, though.
7: Those are not mutually exclusive. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. (laughs) That's That's true. (laughs) (laughs) Two can play that game. Oh, that's a great movie. I mean, honestly, because I think anything with Morris Chestnut in it is, like, by default just gonna be sexy, especially that era. But I do think that they there was a particularly interesting thing that they did with, like, the gender dynamics and that, like, in retrospect, not always perfect, but, like, there was an interesting kind of play between the two of them. And I, I enjoy a back and forth
5: um, like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. That is like a great screwball comedy. Yeah. Like 90s screwball comedy. Love a
4: battle. Like- yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I literally just keep thinking of movies where people fight. <laughs> 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 okay. Well, okay, okay. Which is it's not even like, going to go there.
3: It's also, <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it's interesting when you think about it in terms of directors who are good at it. Like, I do think the Cuaron is really good at, at, at sex scenes, um, like E tu mamá también, is like a, you know one of the more memorable examples. But I think in general, he's just like good at intimacy in movies, and I think that's such an interesting thing too because I think it's really important to have directors who can who are like smart and sensitive about that stuff. But it it also like sometimes you end up with an Adrian Lyon, who I think is really good in, at depicting that stuff. But when you learn about how the sausage sausage was made it's sometimes a little bit like, ooh, sounds like it wasn't a fun set to be on. Sounds like people were really right. uncomfortable. So, you know, it's, it, that's not always... And that's not always apparent from from watching the the thing itself. Like, I can't imagine that the, the 365 Days director, whose name I don't even have in front of me right now, but, like, I can't imagine that they that this was a p- particularly nuanced or, like, progressive set, just because it's not a particularly nuanced or progressive movie, but um, maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know. We don't know. <laughs> we have no I idea. will tell you
4: who directed this movie, by the way. It's Barbara oh, Bialowas a lady. A lady. and Tomas Mandis. Yes, I, and and I like that it was written, the The writer's name is uh, Blanca Lipinska. Uh, I mean, yeah. I, I think that kind of lends it a little bit of, I don't know, not insulation. Like, D- Duffy's letter was really... Obviously, it was important to read that perspective. She'd only recently talked about this publicly, about her experience of being kidnapped and abused and everything. So it was, you know, I I definitely respect that she took everyone to task for this. And it was something that I felt was important to keep in mind uh, watching the movie. But I I do think the fact that, like Fifty Shades, it was written by a woman. And it has, like, there's... Knowing that, it kind of does inform, like, how you can choose to view the movie.
3: Well... This is interesting, though, because my big takeaway from this movie is that it is girl boss porn, um, <laughs> and I think it so, is possible yeah. for women to write a movie about sex that is not necessarily, like, well, all chill, <laughs> like,
5: Joel Joelle just, uh, our producer Joel just chimed in on chat to suggest Bound by the Wachowski oh, sisters. Yeah. Oh, mm. yeah. The
3: Wachowskis are also really, really good at that stuff. I was yeah. just like yeah. going on and on about Cloud, at- Cloud Atlas recently, which
5: like for all its faults, I think is really good at um, just like intimacy. I just realized none of us have mentioned Portrait of a, a Lady on Fire. Oh. Everybody was <laughs> well. very horny for. <laughs> I oh, still haven't seen it. And what? I want to say. <laughs> I know. Also, the handmaiden, oh yeah, <laughs> um, extremely good horny movie from recent times, yeah, I think it it you know people were really into showing saliva on screen when I went to avN in like twenty whenever um, and a lot of like women especially were very into like I want to show like crazy rough sex, and like just because I'm a woman doesn't mean that I don't want to see that um. And so I think that yeah, I think this movie is like it's intended probably as just sort of like a fantasy. Uh, it doesn't seem like a realistic depiction of maybe anything. <laughs> right. It's been interesting seeing teens respond to it, especially on TikTok. Yeah, tell us, about
7: yeah, the TikTok. yeah. There's so many TikToks about this movie, um, and a lot of them are just about how Massimo is like super hot or what. Which, like, fine. But there are so many that are, like, you know, or tweets that are, like, it's always, like, you know, what are you doing? And never, like, want to recreate the yacht scene. <laughs> <laughs> See, and, like, do you actually want to recreate the yacht scene? Or, you know, but it's just, like, it's just a good joke format. And I, I am also curious about, like, what a teen audience thinks of this movie, right? Especially, like, right now or with, with other stuff that's kind of out there in this moment. Like, how do you necessarily watch normal people and then watch 365 Days? Like, where where
5: does this fit kind of in that graph? Yeah, it's interesting anything? that even though, the you know, porn is accessible now and you can see, like, hardcore sex, you know, a lot of, like, the thing about erotic thrillers was, like, these were movies you would see on premium cable late at night. And that was, like, especially for girls, probably, like, your main access to anything pornographic. Uh, yeah. Unless you, like, wanted to go to the store and buy something. But it's interesting that, like, even with as much access as kids have now, that they still, yeah, it's like people like the romantic sex scenes um, or the sex scenes that just are part of a narrative, you know. Right. And, and, and like the they, slow burn thing and everything. Yeah, um, they like, they like euphoria, you know, the zooms. Right.
7: <laughs> 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 and then it's, again, like, to bring it back, but this is also a movie about wealth and, like, conspicuous wealth. And it's not just, like, somebody kidnaps you and takes you their basement and it's like you're gonna fall in love with me here and my like you know dingy whatever it's like fall in love with me on this yacht you didn't ask to be here but we're on a yacht isn't that cool yeah so, you know,
3: like yeah no and it's 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 i mean i end up thinking i mean I, I ended up thinking this about 50 shades i ended up thinking i think it's really hard to have like for what I guess the erotic fellows that are getting greenlit right now, it's it's hard for them to not feel like they're inevitably about capitalism and like working within it and like negotiating with a captor, like negotiating with like a system that you actually can't get out of, but then it tricks you into thinking that you have made a choice. Within okay. It. We
5: should like, we should like. <laughs> definitely do showgirls sometime. Yeah. Oh, no, man. Totally, yeah. Yeah. Um, because I think it's about that. And I think that's another movie that's like not at all sexy, but it's like it's not really about sex. It's about capital, and there is this idea built into everything that like if you have enough money, you can buy anything you want, including people as, as you know sex objects. Uh, that these movies are not critiquing. These movies are just like, and that's great. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't want to be like a sugar baby? Well, I actually like
3: it. Maybe it's just like the confluence of watching these things at the same time. But like just because I've been watching I May Destroy You right now, um, I was just oh, thinking man. about the like the weird kind of territory that these two works share oddly, especially when it comes to like, yeah, like what you think are your choices within a given set of parameters and like what um like the idea of lost time like she has in 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 365 days she has some sort of heart condition so she's constantly swooning and at first i'm like oh that's so goofy like this swooning lady who keeps having to get like rescued by this gangster but then i was like there is this weird sort of non-linear feeling to it where it's just like and then i passed out and i woke up and i was on a yacht like which is very yeah like also Epstein too in a weird way. Like, but this idea of just like losing, like truly losing agency at times and not even realizing it is really creepy. Like, it's very, um, yeah. It's and and I, I was just thinking about like you know you could watch something that deals with that in a lot more like nuance and with the, I may I may destroy you. But those things were on my mind I guess going in. Um,
4: I yeah. thought one of the reasons I'm hypothesizing wildly here that people, especially teens, might have connected more with 365 days than if it were presented to them at a time when they weren't under quarantine is it's also kind of a fantasy about not having to make any decisions, like the decision anxiety that we all feel, particularly when it comes to travel or being in unfamiliar surroundings or being around other people. I was like, Because I was wondering at one point, I was like, this kind of reminds me of the trip, like the trip to Italy, the trip to Greece. I've been like rewatching some of the trips over quarantine because all I want to do is just see people in like unfamiliar places, places where I'm like, will I ever be able to leave my city? I've been doing the exact same thing, but with Below Deck. Oh, yeah, totally.
5: (laughs) Um, The greatest show in the world um, on Bravo about people who work on a yacht. It's so good because it's about... The people who work on the yacht rather than like the like is they're constantly like dogging on the rich people and being like, who would pay for this? Like, Yeah. There's a below deck podcast on iHeart, right? Yes. I think Um, Anna
4: is on that maybe. Uh, I wanted to
5: say also, though, it seems like just in that idea of being trapped in your house with your family, unless you live in like a hype house, unless you're like a fully advanced teen who uh, lives by themselves in a hype house is that it's like fantasy is also about privacy in your head.
4: Yeah. Away
5: from other people.
7: Absolutely.
4: One of the most fraught things, though, right now is is the fact that when you make a decision to leave your house at all, even just for your own survival, like to get food or, you know, to seek like emergency medical treatment, there is the feeling that that could be a horrible decision that you're making. And I think like, you know, at one point um Laura says of Massimo that, you know, one of the things that she really loves about him is that she feels like a little girl because she feels like protected and defended. And basically she's like he makes he makes all of her decisions for her. They only fight when she like decides to make her own decision. Obviously that's problematic Thing in general but right now when it's so scary to make decisions i think like the fantasy aspect of it is partially like someone shows up and they just put you here and they tell you to do this and they tell mm-hmm. you to do that and you get you either enjoy it or you don't but you don't have any responsibility for that decision making i would pay so much money to be on
7: autopilot for just like all of <laughs> oh stuff, man right yeah, and too. this is obviously not that <laughs> it's very yeah. different and also like if I could just assign somebody else decision making power for a little while. Yeah. yeah, It's the sub-fantasy. I think the <laughs> algorithm
5: is part of that fantasy because <laughs> I think people also want to be told what they should be watching yeah, uh, a little bit. And yeah, I think that top 10 works really well as just propaganda to make you be like, what is this? Shall I dive in? Other people like this, should I? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Hannah, and what have you been to. watching
3: lately that is um, like that you actually really genuinely love
7: right now? <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, I,
7: I've, I've also been watching I May Destroy You, I watched an episode last night. Um, I started season one of True Detective because uh, a friend recommended it and has been trying to get to get me to watch it for ages. And it's yeah. amazing. And also, like, I need to find another show because I can't only be watching I May Destroy You and True Detective. It's just yeah, that's like too much inside my brain right now. <laughs> so oh my Lord. I'm I'm probably going to start below deck to kind of counterbalance. Oh, of yeah.
5: Because um,
7: it, it can't. It's right now. It's pretty, it's pretty untouched. Yeah um, Yeah, It's literally like those two things. And then uh, my partner and I watch Dexter every night, which is like lovely. Nice. Wow. And also again. Yeah. This is like hardcore. Like, <laughs> it's funny because like, my preferences are so far outside of that normally. I'm like, what rom-com is there? Like, is there a right. cooking show? Can I watch something? <laughs> you know. And now i found myself watching three, like, very heavy and, like, lightly murder-slash-crime-focused shows.
3: Yeah, yeah. Dexter was y'all? one, like one of the first shows I remember I like couldn't eat while I was watching it. It was too gross.
7: <laughs> like on season four, and I'm like, how did I get here? I can't yeah. do, I'm not good at like murder, <laughs> like violence, Does you know, but we watched uh, Barry before that. And I was like, this is funny, I can maybe do another serial killer show. And Dexter's bloodier. Mm-hmm.
5: <laughs> You're getting all of Emily's respect for what having like the gothist slate.
7: Of yeah, <laughs> I, I just need to reiterate, this is not my usual slate.
3: I don't think so. any of us are on our usual slates though right no. now. <laughs> We're all branching out in ways we I never truly, thought. We'd...
5: I just watched Below Deck and I'm at like different points in the timeline because I go to the earlier seasons. I just watched the pilot yesterday for the first time and... Yeah, it's just they're always somewhere you want to be. It's always like, you know, they're in the south of France. Is that water? They're in Cannes. Right. I
7: could use another Love Island season, honestly.
5: I would like for one to materialize. <laughs> you watched that, right, Molly? You
3: were a um, Love Island Love Person. Island? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
5: I yeah. find British reality television, too. But then that also, like, Love Island, some fucked up stuff happened uh, with the host. And uh, right. Th- nothing right. is, like, just pure escapism <laughs> no. anymore.
4: Except, except for... Deck. And also, Toast of London. I was gonna say the opposite, Hana, of everything you've been watching is Toast of London. Uh, oh, you know
5: what else is what? What we do <laughs> in the shadows, I yes. find to be like so silly and enjoyable. Yeah, just like
3: silly stuff is good right now. I think. Yeah, it's it hits that weird stuff.
5: That weird, yeah, like it's so. It just makes me happy, which is like. I'm trying to watch more things that do right. that.
3: But I would argue that 365 days was that for me, especially the line that you, like, gl- I was very glad you highlighted, like, I'm not a bag of potatoes that you can oh transfer that yes. position. Like, I, I cackled. I cackled during this movie. So, so did maybe, I. Maybe it was a, like,
7: comedy after all. I told of to my friends about it, or it honestly might have been my editor. I don't remember what time or you know, conversations are anymore. But whoever responded to it was like, that's really European to reference potatoes in in an argument. I was like, is it it really? Oh my God.
5: So (laughs) it sounds like what you guys are saying is that 365 days fails as an erotic thriller, but succeeds as a horror comedy. (laughs) That's actually maybe right. Yeah, that's true. It's in the ballpark. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. yeah. I'll give it that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Sounds
3: good. Well, thank you so much for joining us this week, Hanna. Um, where where can people find you online? Um, as we mentioned, you're on at, at the Atlantic as a staff writer. But yeah, yes,
7: um, I'm also unfortunately still on Twitter peri- periodically, often. We can't uh, help it. I know. It's a, well, every once in a while I'll go off, but now is not one of those times. Um, so it's yeah. Ethiopian, like I E N N E, the French ending. I will change it one of these days. But today, is not that day. Um, <laughs> and that's honestly, it's like just
3: like cool. change, you know. Um Well, yeah. Think this was so fun. I'm so glad to have you on. Um,
7: we are yeah, um, all huge fans. I'm, I'm so sorry for doing this to you. This no, 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 <laughs> it
3: again, was closer. great. We cannot say
5: how
7: thankful we. are <laughs> Yeah you took us aboard your yacht you showed us us your heart thank you so much the closest I'm getting to a yacht probably for a very long long time
4: well thank you so much Hannah and we will hope to have you back again soon and thank you
3: for listening to Night Call we'll be back next week you can find us on social media at Night Call Pod on Twitter Night Call Podcast on Instagram and Facebook uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and leave us a rating and review, please. We would appreciate it very much. You can also uh, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash nightcall, where you can get our newsletter, bonus episodes, merch, and all sorts of fun stuff. And we will see you all next week. Bye-bye.